Welcome to Financial Discretion Advised. I am Tyler Hafford. Uh, it's been a little while since I've hopped on the mic. I uh, want to apologize for, for regular listeners, but I um, want to talk about a few things today. One big thing we keep hearing about, and I know I've done podcasts in the past where I've touched on this, but I, I want to talk about what raising rates really means for us. I want to put in some historical context about how things went um, back in the 70s and 80s when we we're trying to deal with inflation and raising rates and what that looked like, kind of what the Fed is trying to do right now, which I think is pretty difficult. Um, and then again, how it's going to impact you in your everyday life. Um, additionally, we want to talk about the power of, of tax deferred growth and what procrastinating uh, starting your investment um, strategy uh, can cost you. Um, so, you know, what, what's the cost of waiting till tomorrow uh, for something that you, you could probably start up today? So uh, just getting in, into raising rates, right? So we're talking about inflation right now is, uh, you know, 8% 8 or more um, food prices are up, energy prices are up, housing prices are up, uh, car prices are up. Um, we've seen this big pickup in, in, in inflation. So let's talk about what the Fed is trying to do by raising rates to control that. Essentially, by raising rates, um, we make borrowing money more expensive, which encourages folks to stop borrowing money and to save more. And it slows the economy down. By doing that, we can start to slow down this inflationary problem. Um, so back in the uh, late 1970s, inflation was picking up. And for a few reasons that are very similar today, right? So they had the oil crisis uh, in the 70s, overspending. Um, stop me if this is starting to sound like uh, things that we're dealing with now, um, where we have increasing energy prices. We have a war uh, in Eastern Europe with a major oil producing nation, which is causing uh, supply issues and prices to go up. Um, and we have come out of a period where we have spent a ton of money, right? The pandemic hit and we had three different stimulus bills um, to help rescue the economy. And I would argue that those bills did do that. Um, but the side effect is we had to print a lot of money and put it out in circulation. That creates inflationary um, impacts and pressures on us. But we get to the late you know, 1970s. Um, the Fed is saying, all right, we're going to raise rates and we're going to push through until we get inflation under control. And in 1980, uh, rates got up to 20 percent, um, extremely high. Right. And there was calls uh, to loosen the monetary policy. All right. We can't we can't tighten things this much. Uh, the Fed persisted. They continued to raise rates. Um, and what we saw is that that strategy did bring inflation down. 1980, um, 1982, inflation fell to 5%. But the problem was it also stalled the economy and pushed us into a recession in 1981 and 1982. So by slowing the economy down dramatically, which is what happened in the 80s, it almost induced this recession. Now, the Fed today has a very difficult task ahead of them. We've spent a lot of money. We have a lot of supply chain issues. Energy prices are high. Um, to fight inflation, we got to start pushing those rates up. They are being a little flexible about this, right? So in the 80s, it was just persistent kind of push ahead. 
Um, what we saw is that after the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, the Fed backed off a bit on their first rate hike. They were supposed to, uh, to increase the Fed rate by half a percent. They only did a quarter, um, but they added an extra um, hike um, into the plan down the road. So we went from five rate hikes this year to six. Um, the idea is to get us back up close to 1%. Uh, Pre-pandemic, we were about 1.5%. So still, you know, historically low, but they have this challenge ahead of them where if they raise rates too fast and too aggressively, they're going to dramatically stall the economy, similar to what we saw in the 80s. Um, but folks are crying about inflation. They're, this is something that's impacting Americans and their wallets. Um, quite a bit. I think I saw a statistic the other day that the average household will spend an extra $300 a month to deal with these pickups and prices. Uh, so that creates a problem. Um, but raising rates slows down the economy. It also hurts the stock market. We see anytime they talk about rate hikes or they change the plan, um, all this starting kind of at the beginning of this year, which initially caused the market drawdown that we're seeing right now, is, is caused by rate hikes. So the Fed has this tricky soft landing that they're looking for. They don't want it to be as dramatic as the 80s. They don't want to push us into a recession, but they also need to be raising rates at a fast enough rate to actually control inflation and before it kind of runs away on them. So then this really tough spot of doing this. So right now, um, as of the end of March, it looks like we're going to see five more rate hikes. We're going to see another one in May. Um, it sounds like that's probably going to be a half a point rate hike. We will see how that strategy changes and what's happening in Europe um, and how that impacts it. Um, we are seeing high energy prices right now. I know the U.S. is talking about releasing a number of reserves, picking up domestic production, having OPEC put more oil into uh, the market and hopefully easing the, um, the pickup in prices in energy. Um, that should have some impact on Inflation as a whole, as uh, you know, energy picks up, the, the prices of everything else kind of follows suit. So what's that mean for you? What does you know, rates going up mean for you? Hopefully it means inflation coming back down, but there's a few other things going on. Um, anyone who was using a high yield savings account pre-pandemic, probably getting a pretty good rate of return on that. Um, then pandemic hits, Rates fall to, uh, to all-time lows so they can help rescue the economy, uh, kind of make a, a loose money environment where they, you know, it's easy to borrow and money is cheap. Um, and those rates on those savings accounts you know, fell dramatically. Well, as rates start to move back up, it's going to encourage folks to start saving. Remember, we're trying to tighten the economy. We're trying to tighten money supply. Um, by doing that, savings rates go back up. People are now more apt to put money away because they're saving at higher rates than they were. So that's a good thing uh, for anyone who is a saver and wants to get some money, um, get those rates back. Remember, the reason why that's happening, though, is that we are trying to slow the economy down and tighten the money supply. So individually, you get some better rates. But what you know? remember that the Fed doesn't want to do this too much. You don't want extremely high savings rates, because that probably means that they are trying to put the brakes on the economy. Um, mortgage rates are going to start climbing and already have start climb, starting to climb. Um, so anyone who is looking to refinance 
or purchase a home, um, expect those rates to continue to move up as, as the Fed um, increases the, the interest rates. So what does that mean? Well, it could possibly mean a slowdown in the housing market. Um, a lot of folks who are borrowing money, especially new home buyers, are now going to have a decision to make because housing prices are so high that borrowing money, a, you know, going from 3% to 6% can be something like a four or $500 a month swing. That can be a difference maker uh, for someone who's looking to buy right now and deciding that, geez, I can't afford it. So mortgage rates go up. Um, that may have an impact on, on the housing market. Um, we will see how much demand is still there as those rates start to creep up. Um, small business impacts. So a majority or a large amount of small business owners tend to use credit cards uh, for their business accounts. And credit cards are very sensitive to interest rate hikes. And as those creep up, the interest owed on the credit card tends to move up with it. Uh, so small business impact means uh, slower growth because they can't borrow money as cheaply as they could um, you know, last year. So that slows down growth on business. That's what the um, intention is, right? Or that's the side effect of raising rates is we're going to slow the economy down. That is why it's because borrowing money gets more expensive. Additionally, credit card rates. So this is something that's going to hit home. If you're holding a credit card balance and rates are going up, again, the interest rate on your credit cards are going to creep up and it's going to be more expensive to hold that balance than it is uh, would have been a year ago. Another good reason why, if you have the ability to pay off that debt, uh, to make that a priority before rates continue to move up uh, even further. Um, additionally, if you don't need to take on credit card debt, obviously, I wouldn't advise uh, taking on more, more and more expensive uh, consumer debt, um, especially with rates going back up. So all of these things in play, you know, it's going to affect us at home, um, it is going to slow down the economy a bit. Uh, the Fed is in this really tough zone where they need to control inflation, but they don't want to bring the economy back to a recession like we saw in 81 and 82. Uh, can the Fed do that? We'll, we'll, have, to, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but I think they are showing some flexibility um, as shown by the reduction in how much they were going to raise rates um, it, due to the, the war in Eastern Europe. Um, but they are using the rhetoric that they are going to increase rates as much as, as they need to, uh, to, to control inflation. So let's see if they can have a little bit of a softer landing than what we saw from the Fed uh, in the early 80s. Now, next topic I want to talk about is tax deferral. Um, tax deferral is when you can put money into an investment account, that money stays in the account and grows uh, tax deferred until you pull money out in retirement. So think of your work plan today or, uh, you know, a traditional IRA, you're going to put some money in. What's nice is those are actually, those are also tax deductible plans. So you're going to get a tax break today, but, uh, you put your money in, it's going to grow in that account and you're going to take it out in retirement. And that's when you're going to pay your taxes on it. So why is, is tax deferral so powerful? So let's take two investors. 
Uh, one is going to invest in a tax deferred uh, vehicle. One is going to um, invest in a taxable vehicle. They both make a hundred thousand dollar initial investment. They're both going to earn market average eight percent return uh, over the next twenty years. What we see is that the tax deferred account will have fifty two percent more growth than the uh, investor who is investing in the taxable account. And the reason for that is even if if the income, um, their income tax percentage stays the same in their working years and when they take it out in retirement. And the reason for that is that the tax deferred account can keep money in that account and not pay it out every year on the growth. So by keeping the money in the account until you draw it out down the road allows more compounding growth on larger sums within the account. This gives us uh, more growth opportunity. And what we saw in that little example is that uh, you're going to see 52% more growth uh, than the, the taxable account. So tax deferred growth is a huge benefit uh, for us. And the reason why I talk about it is you have uh, your work plans, you have a traditional IRA um, that you can put money into. But a lot of folks will run into this situation where they make too much money to invest in, let's say, a Roth or make contributions into a traditional IRA because they are covered by a plan at work. So if you, if you have a retirement account or retirement plan at work and you're contributing to that uh, and your income gets over a certain level, you can't have a tax deductible contribution to a traditional IRA. That will scare some folks off from using those vehicles, but you can make a non-deductible contribution to the IRA. And that contribution will grow tax deferred. You're not going to get your tax break today, but you are getting tax deferred growth. And just from that example, I just showed you how powerful that can be. So that is still a tool you can use, even though you're not getting the tax break today, because you are going to get it every year that that money can stay into the account before you need to take it out in retirement. So don't dismiss tax deferral um, that can have a very powerful impact on overall returns over the lifespan of investing. Um, and then the last kind of tip I want to uh, bring up to folks is the benefit of starting early in, in investing versus waiting a little bit. Um, I'm going to give you two different investors, let's say Martina and Andre. Um, Martina is going to invest $6,000 a year into her IRA from age 22 to 32. She's gonna make 8% return, but she's only doing from 22 to 32. Andre is gonna do $6,000 a year, getting 8% return, but he's deciding I'm gonna start at 32. I'm not gonna do anything before that, but I'm gonna start at 32 and I'm gonna do it all the way out to 65. And what we'll see is that even though Andre went from 32 to 65 doing $6,000 a year, Martina had the benefit of time and compounding interest, even though she only did it for 10 years, 22 to 32. And what we see is Martina is going to end at 65 with $1.3 million in her account. And Andre is going to end at 65 with $945,000 in the account. So about, about a $400,000 swing because Martina started at 22, even though she stops at 32 and Andre goes from 32 to 65, she had the benefit of having significantly, you know, those 10 extra years 
that the account could grow on itself, compounding interest. Um, one of the, you know, I think Albert Einstein said the eighth greatest uh, wonder of the world is compounding interest. Martina had enough time. So when you're making decisions of, do I want to invest today or geez, I'll just do it next year. I can do it. The cost of waiting till tomorrow gets greater and greater. Um, and I would advise you, if you have the ability to start today, start today because the cost can be dramatic. And in the example I just gave you, um, Andre waiting 10 years to, to get started costs him $400,000. Um, that's, that's a big difference. And that can be a difference maker in retirement, right? Maybe Martina having the extra money because she started early can now retire on her terms. Andre has to wait a little bit longer because he did not hit the goals uh, he had set for his retirement. The difference between waiting uh, can be dramatic. And, and that's something we'd call an opportunity cost. So every day that, you know, you have a dollar you could invest or you, you, you're going to spend it or keep it in, in a savings account is what are you giving up? And what you're giving up is the potential for that money to be making you money um, over that period of time. So don't wait for tomorrow. If you have the ability to start investing, start early, start today. Um, waiting tomorrow can, can cost you quite a bit. Wrap things up here. Um, you know, let's see what happens with the interest rate hikes. Um, do we have the faith in the Fed to kind of land this plane a little softer than what we've seen in the 80s? Um, or do we have faith that they're going to be able to rein inflation in before it gets uh, a little bit out of control and, and we're forced to take more dramatic action? Um, only time will tell. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening in. Uh, make sure to like, share, find us on Facebook, find us on LinkedIn, um, you know, click the thumbs up button. Any comments, I'd love to hear them. What are people thinking about interest rate hikes? What are people thinking about uh, inflation and how that's going to impact us in the short term? Um, please leave them below. Uh, you can find my uh, email on penobscotfa.com. Please feel free to shoot me questions. I, I love to talk about this stuff, love to answer anything I can. Um, thanks, guys. The foregoing content reflects the opinions of Penobscot Financial Advisors and is subject to change at any time without notice. Content provided herein is for informational purposes only and should not be used or construed as investment advice or a recommendation regarding the purchase or sale of any security. There is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Thank you.